Amen. You can be seated for just a little bit. We are Lifehouse. And if this is your first time with us, or maybe maybe you've not been in a while, the Lord has us in a season of clarification and getting our feet situated in a way so that we can run this race together, so that we can run this race with passion clarity of mind and unity of heart and so to any guests today thank you so much I'm so glad you're here and you're here on a great day because you're going to get to hear a lot of what Lifehouse is about what we're here for over the last couple of weeks we've been in this series we are Lifehouse so if you've if you've missed any of the previous messages I encourage you to go back and to listen to them or to watch them on YouTube or social media to sort of give you a, a foundation of where we are today, but Lifehouse has a goal. Lifehouse has a mission. Lifehouse has a purpose. And the purpose, the mission, the goal, the reason why we are here as a body of believers is first and foremost so we can glorify the Lord. So that we can recognize that the point of me is to point to Him. The point of us is to point to Him. Amen. One more time. I know you may be getting tired of it, but you shouldn't be because it's the best thing we get to do. Can we just lift up our, our, our glory, our, our, our praise to the Lord who is worthy of all glory, of all honor. Come on. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. All to you, Jesus. Yes. We're here to glorify the Lord but we're also here to make disciples for Jesus, to glorify God and make disciples. That's why we're here. That's our purpose. That's our goal. That's our vision. And what does it mean to make disciples? It means that today I'm closer to Jesus than I was yesterday. And as I want to express in this message today, it's not about perfection. It is about pursuit. Listen, perfect isn't the goal. Pursuit is the goal. I'm running hard after him, and we're running this together, right? So if you're not perfect, listen, you're in good company. There ain't a perfect person in here. There ain't a perfect pastor on the platform, right? Right? Right, Don? Yeah. Don knows I ain't perfect. He ain't either. I know he ain't either, right? It's about pursuit. It's about my eyes are set on Jesus, and my heart is pursuing hard after him. Next Sunday, we're going to be receiving an offering, a special offering in addition to our normal tithes and offerings. We're calling it Seed Offering Sunday. And I know that typically when churches and pastors talk about money, it, it can create some mixed emotions. But I want you to hear from me that I'm not, after, I'm not after your money. But I am after us joining and locking arms together and together planting seeds because the Lord wants to bring about a harvest in Oak Ridge and in this church and in this community. Amen. And listen, we all want a harvest, right? We all want to reap good things. But how many of you understand it's foolish to expect a harvest when your seed is still in your hand? Right? And so we're going we're gonna to talk practical things next week. We're going to talk about practical things today. But next week, we're going to talk about TVs and playgrounds and facilities. Aren't you thankful that we're outgrowing this facility as it is right now? Come on. Aren't you thankful? Come on, seriously. Aren't you thankful? I mean, I want to tell you, I know for some of you, maybe it's annoying to walk in and to try to worry about where you're going to sit. But I got, I got a couple of pieces of advice for you. Would you rather our church be dying or growing? You know, there's no such thing as a church that's just being stationary. It doesn't exist. If it looks stationary, it's actually dying. Right? So, so we're growing. Praise God for that. The second thing I would encourage you to do, here you are at the 11 a.m. service, is get your rear end up earlier and come to the earlier service. Right? Just get up. Don't complain about it. Be excited for it, right? I don't like to get up early. I don't care. Who cares what you like? Just do it. 
right? Come on, just man or woman up and get on up here. But, I mean, I still, I'm glad you're here. I hope you know that. And the third thing I would tell you is get here earlier. Like, literally, just stop trying to show up at 1110. Even <laughs> get here earlier, hang out, get to know people, get to talk to people. And my hope is that even if you come to the early service, you're still going to be looking for a chair. That's my prayer. My prayer is that, is that every single person that walks into this church is like, man, where am I going to sit today? No matter what time they get here, no matter what service they get here for. Because every person who walks into this door is another person who gets to hear the good news of Jesus. And that's what it's about. Amen? We exist to glorify God and to make disciples. But to truly accomplish a great mission, we can't just be focused on the one day win. How many of you, you've ever had a goal for your life? Maybe it was to save a certain amount of money. Maybe it was to lose a certain amount of weight. You can't just put that goal in front of you and just focus on that and say, this is what I want to do. No, you have to, you have to reverse engineer your way to that goal, right? And so today I want to present to you some, some thoughts, some steps, some values some people may call this core values. I'm calling it pursuits because they don't speak to just who we are. They also speak to who we are becoming, right? Because everything that I currently bring to the table as a follower of Jesus is all great and good. But how many of you understand that I'm still not where I want to be? I'm still pressing forward, right? I'm still chasing after. I'm still pursuing the Lord. I have not arrived yet. And until you see him face to face, you have not arrived yet either. So today we're going to talk about these pursuits because they are who we are, but they are also who we are becoming. Now, I want you to go to Philippians chapter 3. And as you get to Philippians 3, go ahead and stand as we get ready to read the word. And if you don't have your Bible with you today, I encourage you to bring one with you next week. And if you don't have a Bible to bring with you, I encourage you to order one from Amazon or, or you can go to Hobby Lobby or Walmart and buy a Bible even at, the, at this stage. Uh, but I encourage you to get you a print Bible. Phone Bibles are okay. Thank God for technology. But for me, they're not good because I get distracted too easily. And the next thing I know, two hours have gone by and I have been watching YouTube for that whole time and not reading the Word of God. Nobody else has that problem but me, right? Yeah. I have a little bit of a warning. This is a lot today. There's a lot, a, lot of, a lot of content. Each of these pursuits could be a sermon series in and of themselves, and they may be at one point. So I'm going to do my best to condense as much as I can, but I want you to get ready. I want you to get ready to take notes. I want you to get ready to receive. I want you to help me preach today, right? The, the more you help me preach, the quicker I'll go. Deal? Yeah. That's the way it is. And I'm, and I'm actually breaking one of my carton. Brad knows I'm lying. The more you help me preach, the more I'll hang out where I'm at. Oh, they like that. Let's go again. I, going to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I'm breaking a rule. Uh, one of my rules for preaching is I don't bring up scriptures it's, it's at the beginning of the message that I'm not going to stay in. Uh, that's kind of cheap preaching to me. Uh, but, but today I'm going to break the rule. Because what I want us to do is I want us to hear a little bit of Paul's heart as he writes to the church at Philippi. And my hope is that as we hear this, some of what he has will rub off on us. So this is what he says. I love these first two statements. My goal is to know him. Paul's talking about Jesus. My goal is to know him. And, everybody say and, the power of his resurrection. Man, don't you want to know him and the power of his resurrection? It doesn't get better after that, though, unfortunately. It gets more real, but it doesn't get more pleasurable. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection. And, everybody say and, the fellowship of his sufferings. Because here's the truth. Following Jesus does not make your life easier. 
And anybody who's ever told you that, that if you'll just give it all to God, then everything's going to go easy, my friend, they have not read the Bible and they have not lived long enough to understand that that is not how it works. Or they're just lying to you because they want something from you. Listen, I'm just going to tell you straight up that if you were looking for an easier life, Jesus is not your answer. But if you were looking for a life that matters, my God, He is your answer. He is the one. If you're looking for a life that makes a difference, if you're looking for a life that will outlive your time here on this planet, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? He says, I I can't even get through the first verse here. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal, or am already perfect. Can I get a witness? Come on, if Paul ain't perfect, neither is Pastor Drew. Amen? Not that I have reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful that he has taken hold of you? He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue. Can we say pursue together? I, yeah, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for the word. I pray today, God, that you would speak to me, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would speak beyond me. And Lord, because I know myself, I pray that you would speak in spite of me. In Jesus' name, Lifehouse said amen. Amen. Hey, turn to your neighbor and give him a high five and say, let's go. (laughs) Last Sunday, the message title was get up. Everybody say get up. up. Today, let's go. Everybody say let's go. It's a complete sentence now, right? Get up, let's go. That's what my dad used to tell me. It brings back memories. But anybody got running shoes on today? Yeah? Good, good. Because we're running today. We're pursuing. We're chasing. Uh, I don't like running. And physically speaking, I think running's of the devil. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Stacy. I'm sorry. I mean, Aiden, you run for basically for an education, so you're excused, Okay. All right, but if you see me running, you better go ahead and start running too because something scares behind me, okay? Listen, I carry weapons, and if I'm running, I must be really afraid, all right? But spiritually speaking, I'm running, Let's, let, and we're running together, right? We're ready to go after the Lord. I, I'm just, I believe the Lord. I told uh, the first service this as I was worshiping during, um, uh, during the, I think it was the first, maybe it was the second song. I felt, I just, I don't know if it was a vision. I want to be careful when I say things like the Lord told me or the Lord showed me. But as far as I can tell, I believe it was from the Lord. And what I saw was, uh, would look like a, a, a river of water. And in front of this water, there was a dam and it was holding it back. And I felt the Lord tell me, remind the people, and I'm reminding you now, I told first service as well, remind them your praise is a weapon and your praise has the power to break the dam that is holding back the rivers of living water that the Lord wants to give you. And I believe, listen, I'm t- yeah, come on, we can, we can glorify the Lord for that. I do believe that we are standing on the precipice. And, you know, we talk a long time about what God's getting ready to do or what God's going to do. But I believe the Lord's doing it. I believe we're living in it. I don't believe, I believe that we, instead of needing to pray for what the Lord, what we want to see the Lord do, I pray, I believe we need to pray that the Lord would help us to steward well what he is doing. And so, culture-defining pursuits of life, house, church. Number one, I'm just going to jump right into this. We are pursuing the presence of God. We are pursuing the presence of God. More than anything else, we want the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? I, 
It's one thing to say that God is everywhere, but it is another thing to say that the Lord is in this place. And I want to tell you, you don't have to be at church to declare that the Lord is in this place, right? You can be in your home. You can be in your car. You can be at work. You can be in a restaurant. You can even be in Walmart. And if you, if the Lord will show up. Listen, we need the Lord to show up in Walmart more often, right? Right? Yeah. Come on. Listen, I love Walmart, um, but I don't like going into Walmart. Can I just be real with you? Praise the Lord for grocery pickup. I'm moving on. In the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 20, uh, Moses is having a conversation with God, and God has given Moses the law. That's where we get the Ten Commandments. But he, he gives him a lot of other stuff as well. He, he gives them the dimensions for the tabernacle. He talks about the Ark of the Covenant. He talks about the garments for the priest. And, you know, there's an old saying that says the devil is in the details. But if you read the book of Exodus and Leviticus, you'll find out real quick that the Lord is in the details. Right? And, and so Moses is up on this mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and, and then he comes down from the mountain. Does anybody know what Moses sees when he gets down from the mountain? Every, a big old party, right? A big old party. But not a good party, right? Not a Holy Ghost party. You know, the Holy Ghost party don't stop. But this kind of party needs to stop that they were having, right? Y'all ain't never heard that before, right? Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Yeah, there you go. Right, this wasn't that though, okay? This was another kind of party. This is the kind of party it was. Uh, Aaron, who was Moses' brother, also a priest before the Lord, uh, people come to him and they're like, hey, Moses, this guy Moses, he's been up on this mountain. He's probably dead or something. You know, we need to make a God that we can worship because the God that brought us out of Egypt, the God that, you know, provided food for us, the God who uh, shelters us at night with a pillar of fire and shelters us during the day with a pillar of cloud, uh, we don't really know that God. We don't really like that God. He's not a good enough God for us. And so they say to Aaron, give us a God that we can worship. And so Aaron, because he's an idiot in the book of Genesis, and I mean, not Genesis, but Exodus. And, and I'm sorry, you know, when I get to heaven one day and I see him, I'll have to apologize for saying that. But man, he needed help, all right? And, and he says, all right, give me all your gold jewelry. And so he takes all the gold and he throws it into a furnace. And they, they take a calf and they make this calf. And then everybody worships this calf. And Moses comes down from the mountain, sees everybody worshiping this calf and like it's 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 rated r guys okay it's not even pg-13 right it's a it's a it's the bible's real okay you need to read that and you'll see like god doesn't hold stuff back when he tells us things okay and so moses comes down and he asks aaron he's like aaron what you doing man and aaron says moses i don't know what happened i just threw all this gold in there and out popped this calf <laughs> it's in there that's what he says okay <laughs> I'm paraphrasing it, but it's in there. Moses is like, all right, here's what we're going to do. So he grinds up the calf, and he, and he sprinkles the, the gold dust and water, makes people drink it. 3,000 people die, okay? It's, yeah, you're not happy about that part. But, you know, what's beautiful is, man, I'm, this isn't part of my sermon, and I'm going to go long, but you guys are okay with that, right? What's so cool about this story is how it parallels what the Lord does in Acts chapter 2. Because the Feast of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is, is, is celebrated in, in honor of the law that was given on Mount Sinai. And, and on Mount Sinai, you have smoke and, and, and you have thunder and you have, and you have all this happening. And, and then you have 3,000 people die. But at Pentecost, you have you know the Holy Spirit descends in the room like a fire, right? And a cloven tongues of fire. And people start, there's a lot of noise, right? And and then 3,000 people get saved. That's just how good the Lord is. And if you can't see the connection there, it's because you ain't been in the Word enough. But anyway, and so, so Moses uh, is then having this conversation with the Lord after this happens. And this is where I want to pick up right here in Exodus 33. This is what it says. The Lord spoke to Moses. Go up from here. Because literally, he's telling them to go north. Go up from here. Get on out of here. You and the people that you brought up from the land of Egypt... It's funny, God's like, I didn't bring them, you brought them. You brought, these, you brought all these punks with you, right? It's, that's how I read it, because it's fun. Go ahead and get out of here. Go to the land that I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them I would give it to their offspring, so I'm going to fulfill my promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God says, I will send my angel ahead of you, and he's going to drive out your enemies, the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Heathites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, the Jebusites. I'll take care of them for you. You ain't got to worry about it. He says, go ahead and go on up to this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, which is to communicate that agriculturally speaking, it's a very rich land. Your crops will do well. Your animals will do well. And so go ahead. 
go on up. Get out of here. I got you out of Egypt. I'm going to give you all the blessings that have been promised to you, but I will not go with you, God says to Moses. Because these people you brought out of Egypt, they're a bunch of punks. Stiff-necked people, stubborn people, right? In other words, what God is saying, I will give you everything you want. I will give you your blessed life. I will give you all the things that you need. I will give you the good life, but I won't give you me. Now, for a lot of people, that's, that sounds like an okay deal, right? If I, can just, if I can just have enough money, if I can just get all the things that I've been praying for, if all of my prayers will get answered, that would be great. But, but we have to ask the question, why is God offering this deal to Moses and the people of Israel? Essentially, he's given them what they want. Because their actions at the bottom of Mount Sinai show that they want all the good things God has for them, but they don't want God. And so God is not being petty. He's just giving them what they want. All of his blessings, but no, relational, no relationship with himself. And, and I love how Moses responds, and may this be our heart as well. He says to the Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't make us go. In other words, what Moses is saying, and this is so beautiful, and this is so powerful. He is saying to the Lord, I would rather live in a barren wilderness with you than enjoy all the riches of this world without you. Now, I want you to ask yourself, can your, from your own heart, can you say that as well? And if not, I'm telling you right now, before I preach another word of this message, you need to ask the Lord, Lord, would you work in my heart? Would you give me a heart after you? Would you give me a passion for you? Like Moses had, who Moses, who said, God, I would rather live in the desert with a bunch of stubborn idiots, right? Because that's what's happening right here. I would rather live in the desert without the blessings. If, if I get you, then, then get all the blessings even if I don't get you. And so, Lifehouse Church, can we just make up our mind that we want God more than we want God's stuff? Can we just settle it in our hearts right now? And maybe you have to settle it by faith. You know what that means? That means you don't really feel like it, but you want to feel like it, right? Anybody ever been there before? Lord, I don't feel this. But I want to feel this. Maybe, maybe it's a passion for the Lord. Lord, I don't feel passionate for you. But God, I want to feel passionate for you. Can I tell you, that's one of the most beautiful prayers you can pray. That's one of the most humble, honest, heartfelt, God-honoring prayers you can pray. That when you take that honesty to the Lord, I believe with all of my heart, He hears that and He honors that. And so, can you just settle it right now in your own heart? Lord, more than I want your blessings... I want you. More, God, than I want you. The, the, the product of your hand, Lord, I want your face, right? More, more than answered prayers, God, I want to see your glory. That's what Moses actually says. He says this in verse 17. The Lord answered Moses. This is his response. He says, I'll do this thing that you've asked because you have found favor with me. And I know you by name. And this is the most, to me, the most beautiful prayer in all of scripture, Moses said to the Lord, please let me see your glory. Who wants to see his glory in this house? Come on, come one more time. Can we just, come on, can we worship him for just a little bit longer today? Again, I want you to understand that you don't need to be in this house for the Lord to show up and just experience his glory. It can happen at your house. It can happen uh, anywhere in this world, if, as long as you will be open to what the Lord wants to do in you and through you. Amen? Amen? So here at Lifehouse, we are pursuing the presence of God. We are also pursuing biblical maturity. That's our second one. We are pursuing biblical maturity. Lifehouse is a church where the Spirit and the Word come together. Where the worship of God and the Word of God are not in competition with one another. I want to just tell you straight up, in a lot of churches, that's just not how it works. In a lot of churches, the Word and worship or, or the presence of God and the, and, the, and, the, and the Word of God, they live in competition with one another. You'll hear things like this. You'll hear things like, man, church was so good today, the preacher didn't even preach. You know, 
If that happens every so often, praise God. And God can do that. If God wants to show up like that here, he can do that. And he has done that. And he may do that again. But you want to know a little insider secret? That eight times out of ten when that happens, you know what that means? That means the preacher didn't do any work all week. He, he, was, he, was, he was watching football games, and he was watching ESPN, and, and he was busy with other things, and he didn't take any time to get in the Word that way, and he went to his worship leader, and he said, hey, I ain't got nothing. You go ahead and just keep on singing, brother. Am I lying? You guys okay? Sorry, I couldn't help it. But here at LifeHouse, listen, first of all, I promise you, as long as I'm the pastor, I will do my absolute best to dig in this word to find the gold every week, and I'll do my best. I'm not the best preacher there is, but, but I value the word of God. To the best of my ability, I will represent it to you, I will preach it to you, I will teach it to you, and I will... Be honest with you about what it says. But we will also worship the Lord. We will also glorify God. We will also magnify his name and praise him. Amen. Listen, we're not, we're the, the word of God and the worship of God are not in competition with one another. They come together and they work together. And when we worship and the spirit of God comes on us, it, it plows the ground so that we can receive the word. So that we can receive the seed from his word, right? Which grows and produces fruit in our life. See, this book, this, this Bible, it's not an ancient book. It's not an old book. It's an eternal book. And it never goes out of style. There's a lot of people that say, you know, if I could just, God, if I could just hear God speak to me, it would just help me so much. Then I would believe, or then it would calm my doubts, or it would just be such great confirmation. Well, my friend, if your Bible is collecting dust, then you can't expect to hear a word from God because you're not familiar with the word of God. You don't know what his voice sounds like. And if you're hearing things that you think is the Lord, but you start finding out it's contradictory to what he's already said, my friend, that ain't the Holy Spirit you're hearing. That's another spirit. The psalmist says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Paul says, do not be conformed to this age or the, to the world or to culture, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, what is pleasing, and what is the perfect will of God. I want you to understand that biblical maturity just doesn't mean that you just know the Bible. Because you, you can know intellectually the Bible, but that doesn't mean that you know intimately the author of the Bible. You understand? Biblical maturity doesn't just mean that you know the Bible. Biblical maturity means that you are being actively transformed by the Word of God. And unless you learn to, to, to let God's Word renew your mind, and this is the case for so many Christians and very likely many of you in the room today, unless you learn to get in this Word and to allow it to renew your mind, you will continue to walk in defeat, you will continue to struggle with temptation, and you will continue to be confused about what the Lord wants for you and what He wants to do in you. Because again, the Word of God is what transforms you. Uh, that word transform from Romans 12 too is the same word uh, that we get our word metamorphosis from when a, when a caterpillar goes into its cocoon and it, and it comes out a butterfly. It looks unrecognizable. When you get into the cocoon of the Word of God over time as it begins to develop, and, and let me tell you, it takes time, right? And that's okay because God is committed to you. He's committed to the process. And again, it's not about perfection. It's about pursuit right it will transform you from the inside out changing you and conforming you into the image of God into the image of Christ and when you re when you renew your mind with the truth of God's word you learn to recognize the lies of the enemy because because not because you're so familiar with the enemy but because you're so familiar with the word of truth right and when something contradicts this you know if it's not from God then it's from someone else and it gives you the tools to go against what the enemy wants to do in your life. And, and, and I'll, I'll be real with you. Some of you, many Christians, they live a defeated life. Not because they don't love the Lord. They do and they want to do right. But they live a defeated life 
Because to them, this book is nothing more than a book on a shelf. But it is the inspired, it is the God-breathed word of God. And so I want to encourage you to, I know this is elementary sounding maybe, and maybe you think you're beyond this, but you're probably not. I'm not. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Study the Bible. Don't, don't just try to read chunks at a time. That's great, and that's good, and I encourage you to do that too, but, but, but go, to, go to sections of Scripture, maybe a chapter or maybe just a passage, and read it over and over again. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand it. Ask God to, to bring it to life and to you. And, and, and if you do that with humility and you do that honestly, man, so many times I, I've, I've read parts of Scripture that I have read hundreds of times before. And then it's like all of a sudden it's like I never saw that before. And it's like God's just been holding on to that and saying, when you're ready, I'll show you this. Oh, he's ready now. And let me tell you something. At 38 years old, been in ministry since, literally been preaching the word since I was 15 years old. He still does it. And until I see him face to face, I'm pretty sure he's still going to be doing that, right? So I want to encourage you to read the Bible, study the Bible, learn the Bible, memorize scripture. Listen, every week on Monday morning or Sunday, whatever, if you've got a planner or maybe you just take your phone, I don't have mine with me, and you, and you change your wallpaper to a verse, every week pick one verse to memorize, right? Pick one verse to memorize and just put it somewhere you can see it, put sticky notes everywhere, and then every time you see it, say it out loud, then close your eyes and try to say it without looking at it. I know that may sound overly practical for a sermon, but I don't think it is because the word of God, it isn't just words on pages. It's something that wants to live inside of you, right? So memorize it, meditate it. I'm so, I'm so thankful for Bible quiz who teaches our, our children and our, and our youth. And if you've got a child, I, I'm going to encourage you if they're not in Bible quiz, get them involved in Bible quiz because it's giving them the tools to learn the word. Even now, I'm going to tell you something. Like I went to Bible college. I, I didn't grow up in church. I went to Bible college. I was in, I was in New Testament survey when I truly understood for the first time in my life that Saul in the Old Testament it was not Saul in the New Testament, right? I had been preaching for six years, and I didn't even know that. I, I was preaching so much heresy, y'all. This is so sad. I probably still do that, too. I listen to sermons or I look at notes that I had from last year, even. I'm like, ooh, I wouldn't say that again, right? This will be one of those messages in a few years, too, right? Because the, we're, we're committed to the pursuit, right? To the process, right? And so... I'm so thankful for, for an incredible kids ministry that is teaching children the scriptures, for an incredible youth ministry. Yeah, come on, that is teaching children the scriptures. Get you a Bible that you can understand. Are you guys, sorry, Brad, are you guys okay? I want to be practical. So I love the King James Bible. A lot of people believe the King James Bible is the only Bible. I'm so sorry, but they, are, they have good intentions, but they're so incredibly wrong. And I can't explain that all right now. But they love Jesus and they love you. They just don't know any better. And, and the King James Bible was written in the 1600s so that people who, who spoke the normal language could read the Word of God. And so it's an insult to, to, the, to the people who, who transcribe that Bible when we still read a Bible that's not written in our language. Does that make sense? And so there's so many, if you speak English, my goodness, like you've literally got over 40 qualified, good English Bible translations that you can read, okay? I mean, literally, it's, it's, it, you can read it on your phone. You can read it in a book. You can buy a Bible at Walmart or Hobby Lobby or Amazon or wherever you are just about. You can buy a Bible. I bet you got, they got Bibles in gas stations around here, right? And so get you a Bible, right? This is the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. It's a relatively new translation. I started reading it again this year, preaching from it so far this year. Great translation. Go get you a CSB if you want to follow along with most of what I read on Sunday mornings, at least for this year. Uh, I change it up every couple of years or so, but this year it'll be the CSB. Uh, if you want to get the Bible that Bible Quiz is happening out of and the youth are using, get you a New Living Translation, an NLT, another great translation, right? It's, it's kind of a... A, a, a more easy to understand translation. It's great for children. It's also great for people who are just new to the Bible. 
And they don't understand it. And, and that's great too. And, and, and get you a Bible that you can read, that you can understand. And get you one that you can write in, man. Like when the Lord shows you something, you can underline that. You can circle that. Listen, this is, this is, not, this is not an artifact. This is a tool to be used, okay? Get you a good study Bible. I was talking to someone before church about, about study Bibles. Listen, let me encourage you. Get you a study Bible. All right. Again, I'm being incredibly practical, and I have a whole lot left, but you guys are great because you don't got nothing better. To, there's nothing to do this evening. I know that. Um, <laughs> Stacy, isn't that right? Right. But, but this seems so, I can't believe it. I should do this in a small group, but here we are. Don't read a study Bible every day for your everyday reading because what you'll wind up doing is you'll read the study notes more than you read the scriptures. But get a study Bible, have it on hand. Whenever you start a new book of the Bible, read the introduction first. Whenever you come across passages you don't understand, pull that study Bible out and read from that. Is that okay? We good? Is that, is that making sense? Come on, can we give the Lord another shout of praise this morning? And even when you don't understand the Bible, just keep reading and keep asking the Holy Spirit to help you understand. And then and, and talk to other believers who, who may have, have gone a little further than you have or learned a little more than you have, and maybe they can help you as well. And when you come across something in the Word of God that you disagree with, understand the Bible is not wrong. God is not wrong. Two things are happening. The first one is maybe you don't understand the context. Maybe you don't understand the meaning. Some of this was written over 4,000 years ago. And it's quite possible that in 2021, we don't understand things that they would have understood then. And that's, that happens a lot, especially in the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament as well. So just understand that it might be that you don't quite get it yet. It could also be that, that you just need to change. When you read something that you disagree with and you're like, oh, I don't really think that's a sin. Well, it probably is, Right? And, and, and if it's something in your life that, that, that you think is okay and the Bible says this is not okay, this is a sin, then, then don't get mad at the Bible, okay? Get mad at your sin. We would do really well in our lives to get a little more angry, not with ourselves, but with the sin that wants to control us and condemn us, right? And, and confuse us. And so understand that the Word of God is truth, and it is alive, and it is, it is active. And listen, here again, I'm telling you, I read this Pretty much every day. And every so often I read something that cuts me straight to the heart because I realize, ooh, there's something in my life I gotta change. There's something in my life I gotta give over to the Lord. So, you guys ready? We are pursuing the presence of God. We are pursuing biblical maturity. Number three, we are pursuing soul health. Your soul consists essentially of your mind, your will, and emotions. Now, man, I, I feel like this one could really use its own sermon series, but really quickly, there are so many reasons why your soul may be unhealthy, why mentally you may be unhealthy, why emotionally you may be unhealthy. It could be because of poor spiritual health. I'm going to tell you, like, if, if your relationship with the Lord is not growing and flourishing, it will spill over into other areas of your life. It could be because of poor physical health. If you're not eating well, if you're not sleeping well, if you're not exercising, listen, I'm, I know that, again, incredibly practical sounding, but there is nothing greater you could do to benefit your whole body apart from praying and seeking the presence of the Lord and being in his word than making sure you're eating good food, getting good rest, and exercising your body. Not popular preaching in the world today, but that's as truth as truth gets, okay? And so if you're physically unhealthy, it will spill over into other areas of your life. If you're not well-rested, it will spill over into other areas of your life, right? If you continue to have heartburn because you eat foods you know you shouldn't eat, and then you can't sleep, and then, and then you don't work out because you're too tired, it's going to spill over into other areas of your life. Y'all all right? Who's going to the gym after this now, right? I'm not. I'll be there tomorrow. This is my Sunday workout, okay? Why do you think I put so much into it? Because I've got to get my steps in. My heart rate's 107 right now. Come on. That's why I'm so hot on Sundays. Your soul could be unhealthy because you have a poor self-image. When you look at yourself, you see what the devil tells you to see. You don't see what the Lord has said about you. You see someone that's either overweight, underweight, too tall, too short, too ugly, too good looking. That ain't never happened to me, but maybe... Maybe you just see something that's not real, but you need to be reminded. Again, 
biblically mature. Get in the word of God. Hear God's word. It'll transform you. God created you in his image and in his likeness, right? He says you are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? And, and, but if you think negatively of yourself, again, it will spill over. Maybe there's unconfronted trauma in your life. Something that may have happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago or three weeks ago that you have just tried to sweep under the rug and ignore it. Listen, you will never be a truly healthy human being until you confront that trauma. And the longer you try to suppress it, the darker and worse it will grow. Maybe it's because of a chemical imbalance. Literally, because chemicals in your brain are not doing what they need to do. And you need to get help for that. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. Praise God for doctors. Praise God for therapists. Praise God for counselors. Praise God for people who study these issues, who can truly help people overcome these issues. Those are not things that we run from as the church. We're not that church that says, if you'll just pray about it, it'll be okay. We are the church that says, yeah, let's pray about it first, but faith without works is dead. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe, but I'm also going to do the practical things that I can do to also get help. Maybe your soul is struggling because of an ungrateful heart. Maybe you struggle to see the positive. You're the, the guy that always complains or the critic that always sees the worst. Right? Yeah, we got one right there. <laughs> I, I was, that was actually an amen. I felt like that was an amen. Hey, just for the record, I love crying babies. They mean churches is growing. But maybe you're dealing with an ungrateful heart. Maybe you're dealing with unresolved anger, right? You're wondering why you keep losing your temper with your kids. It's not because you're mad at your kids. It's because you're mad at what somebody did to you 20 years ago that you still have not brought to the Lord yet and been healed from yet, right? Maybe it's because of unconfessed sin, sin that you were tolerating instead of confronting and conquering when you tolerate sin, you're tolerating the work of the enemy who wants to separate you from the power of the gospel. Again, not easy, but true. It could even be because of demonic influence in your life. And if you're unhealthy in your soul, and again, that list is not exhaustive, and that list deserves unpacking in each one of those areas. I just don't have that time today. But if you're unhealthy in your soul, I want you to start asking yourself some hard questions. Why is this happening in my life? Why do I feel this way? Why do I see this way? Maybe you do need to see a doctor, and that's okay. Maybe you do need to see a counselor or a therapist, or maybe you do need to talk to a friend. You absolutely need to be connected to other believers, and you absolutely need to ask the Holy Spirit to bring, to those, things, bring those things to the surface of your life so you can stop hiding them and start conquering them. Because you cannot conquer what you continue to suppress. God can't give you victory over something that you refuse to admit that you have a problem with. The psalmist says in Psalm 139, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down. You know when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. Anybody ever wondered why you do something? And you, you, you do something or you say something or you think something. And you go, where did that come from? Anybody ever? I've done that so many times, right? Anybody? 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 Raise a hand. Help me out. Like four of you. Okay, good. A lot of people now. But isn't it a wonderful thing to, to know that the Lord knows why you did it? The Lord knows what was in you that made that come out of you. And so he says, Lord, you've searched me. You've known me. You know when I sit down. You know when I stand up. You know my thoughts from far away. Verse 23. And because you know all that, search me, God. And know my heart. Test me. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that we're taking a, an exam. It means, it means that, that, Lord, that you would put me in situations, that you would do work in me, that brings those things to the surface so that, so that we can deal with them. See if there is any offensive way in me. And we're not talking about, you know, 2024 PC woke offensive stuff, but we're talking about, is that okay? 
All right, if you got offended, I was talking about you. And, but, but see if there's any offensive way in me. If there's anything in me that is in contradiction to the kingdom of God that you are putting in me, and God deal with it the same way that you would mine an ore and that you would put it in heat and so the impurities would rise to the top and then you could scrape off those impurities and be left with something pure and priceless, God, that you would test me and try me, that you would reveal to me any offensive way in me and that you would lead me in the way everlasting right that you would that you would lead me in the way that takes me from a place of unhealth to health so we are pursuing number one the presence of God biblical maturity soul health which leads to number four we are pursuing authentic relationships because you can't be healthy if you're not doing life with people. You can't be healthy if people don't know you. Can I just tell you that? Like, if people don't know the real you, you can't be healthy. And so we are pursuing authentic relationships. The writer of Hebrews says, let us consider one another. Or, in other words, let us think about people, other people, in order to provoke or to pull out love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing. Did you know even 2,000 years ago, there were people skipping church because of bad weather and Super Bowls, right? <laughs> right? Not neglecting to gather together as some in their habit of doing, but, everybody say but, encouraging each other. Can I just encourage you right now to make up your mind to be an encouraging person? You know, something happened this past week. I don't know if it was something I said Sunday last week or maybe people just thought I extra needed it. But I guarantee you I had a dozen people communicate to me in some way or another this past week that they were praying for me and my family. And it was, I lo- it was amazing. Uh, it's, it doesn't, it's, that's not something that happens a lot. And it was so encouraging. And so if you were one of those people, thank you. And if you weren't, well, now you know the assignment. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I really am. But I want to encourage you to be an encouraging person because the day of Christ is coming. And like, I have yet to meet somebody that is so encouraged, they just can't stand being encouraged anymore. I know a lot of people, though, that are walking around who on the outside, they look like everything is all right. And then we, we make those jokes, right? We say those semi-hurtful things, but we follow it up with a ha-ha, just kidding, right? But, but, but they hear it, and they on the outside, they respond accordingly, but internally they go, it, it would just knock them down another notch, right? You know, the Bible actually tells us, and man, this, you talk about convicting your pastor, it tells us to not be sarcastic. That is in the Bible. It does tell us to be encouraging. So I want to encourage you to be encouraging. Real life change can only happen with real people in real community. And that's at church, that's also at work, that's in your home, that's in life groups and serve teams. We need each other. Real fast, some keys to authentic relationships. If you want to write this down or take a picture, put down the the mask, right? Put down the mask. Stop trying to be fake because only real people can help real people. Now, now that doesn't mean that that we just tell everything all the time, right? Because that could also be dangerous. But that does mean that we refuse to be fake people because God can't heal what we continue to hide. So we put down the mask. We pursue the Lord together. We pursue God together. We, we practice repentance and forgiveness because here's the thing. If you are in relationship with people, if you are in relationship with somebody, the only, the only barrier to them hurting you or you hurting them is time and opportunity. If you know someone long enough and if you know someone well enough, they're going to upset you. And you're going to upset them. And because of that reality, we have to just go ahead and make up our mind that when I get offended, I'm going to forgive. And that when I get hurt, I'm going to deal with it, right? And, 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 and I'm going to, or if I do the hurting, and if I know I've caused damage, then I'm going to go to them and I'm going to tell them, you know what? I was being a turd, right? Can I use that? Right? That's good enough. Dung's in the Bible. We can say turd in church. I was, I was being a jerk, and I'm so sorry for what I said. I'm so sorry for what I did. We apologize, and we forgive, and we prioritize serving others. 
We put others before ourselves. We say no to selfishness. Most people are committed to having it their way. But, but if you will read Philippians chapter 2 and all other parts of the Bible, you will recognize that... What are y'all laughing about? Y'all confusing me. Burger, was that a Burger King joke? Have it your way? If you will read the Bible, you will find out very fast that if you're going to follow Jesus, Jesus says, don't be worried about having it your way. Worry about making sure other people have it their way. Count others better than yourself. That's scripture. That's a quote from Philippians 2. Count others better than yourself, right? Don't put your own interests first. Put other people's interests first. Follow the example of Jesus who came to serve and to save. You guys okay? So we put down the mask, we pursue God together, we practice repentance and forgiveness, and we put other people first. We're pursuing, come on, we're pursuing the presence of God. We're pursuing biblical maturity. We're pursuing soul health, that our mind, that our emotions would be healthy. We're pursuing authentic relationships. And lastly, number five, we are pursuing gospel responsibility. Because this good news is too good to keep to ourselves. I want you to understand that at Lifehouse Church, I am not the preacher. I know that's like old school terminology. Who's the preacher at your church? Oh, it's this guy, right? But I am not the preacher. I am the pastor, and thank, I thank God that I get to do that. It is a privilege, and it is an honor to get to serve in that capacity. But I'm not the preacher, because there ain't just one preacher in this church. This whole church is a church of preachers, right? We're all preachers, right? Even if you say right now, I'm not a preacher. If you've read this Bible, you know, yes, you are. You don't have a choice in the matter. If you follow Jesus, then you are, you are called and commissioned, commissioned. It's you plus the Holy Spirit to, uh, to spread this good news of Jesus, right? So, so think of it like this. If you were to discover a cure for a deadly disease, I mean, I know just, this is just an illustration. If you were somehow to discover a cure for a deadly disease, how heartless and selfish and hateful would you have to be to keep that cure to yourself? How much would you have to hate people to say, I have what you need, but I don't want to tell you about it? You know, because, because I, I'm afraid if I told you about it, I'd be being pushy. I'm afraid if I told you about it, I would be judging you for your disease. You see, the devil wants you to think that when you, when you talk to people about Jesus and when you share the gospel, that, that you're, you're being judgy or that you're being pushy or that you're being condemning. That's a lie. That is not God. But, but he has convinced us because of the culture. Remember, we are called not to conform to the ways of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So if you think sharing the gospel is being pushy or being judgy, my friend, you have been conformed to the ways of the world. You have not been transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm a jerk when I do it, Right? That doesn't mean that I, I start off with about how, if you don't listen to what I've got to say, you're going to burn. Burn or turn, baby, right? That's not how we do it. But it does mean that we stop making these petty, lame, politically correct, weak, and cowardly excuses and get off of our spiritual rear ends and we do the work to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the truth, and this is harsh, but you need to hear it because I need to hear it. When we withhold the gospel, because maybe we say to ourselves, again, I don't want to judge. I don't want to judge. That's, if there's any totally misunderstood principle of Scripture, it's this idea of being judged or judging. That's another sermon for another day. Well, we are, but love demands a response. Love demands, yeah, love demands action. See, this is a, now we're going. But when we withhold the gospel because we're too worried about what they think or if we're going to run them off or be pushy or make them feel judged, we're robbing people. I mean, we are, we are 
indirectly robbing people of the hope, the life, the freedom, the joy, the peace that is found in Christ. And Satan wants you to believe that you are condemning the world when you share the gospel. But Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn. I came to save. Revealing to people the gospel of Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be born again. That is not condemnation. That is the way to salvation. And it's not hate. Again, I know, controversial in our world today, but it is still the truth. It's not hate. It is the most pure form of love. Because, you know, real, I mean, real love, true love. It says that if I tell you this and I show you this, even if you hate me for it, I love you so much, I have to tell you anyway. It is the coward. It is the man or the woman that wants to wear the religious t-shirt but not do the work of following Jesus that says, oh, I'm not the preacher. Oh, it's not for me to judge. I don't have to judge. He's already laid it out. It's, I, don't, I don't have to come up with what's a sin and what's not a sin. I just have to be an emissary for the truth of God's word. Now, again, that doesn't mean that I'm a turd about it, right? That doesn't mean that I'm a jerk. That doesn't mean I start, I'll start calling people out. That it just means that I take this very seriously. And when I'm given the opportunity to share truth, I share truth. And I do it in love. And, and, everybody say and, my life has to be an example of the transformational power of the gospel. Listen, if you're one of those Christians that walks around with a frown on your face all the time, yeah, don't tell people about Jesus because nobody wants to be like you. Yeah, you can go ahead and just keep your mouth shut, right? But listen, if you've got the joy of the Lord in your heart and you know what it's like to be raised from life to death, my God, why are you being quiet about this? When I, when I got saved at 15 years old, I walked into, there. I need no more proof that God exists besides the night that I gave my life to Jesus. I walked in suicidal, addicted, angry, ready to throw it all away, but I walked out a brand new creation in Christ, and my life has never been the same since, right? That's why I'm not going to shut up. I don't care what Facebook tells me. I don't care what you tell me. I'm going to tell the truth because I know this truth will set you free. This truth will change your life. This truth will transform not just your one day win. It'll transform your right now. See, we don't preach just because we want people to go to heaven. That is a very good reason to do it though. We preach because we know that we can have heaven right now in us. And so... Until Jesus returns, or until we die, it is our responsibility. It's our choice. If you choose to not share the gospel, then you're not following Jesus. It is our responsibility as individuals and as a church to use our money, our time, our energy, our talents, our gifts, our bodies, our minds, our voice, our social media accounts our email, our everything to preach, to proclaim, to share, and to demonstrate the good news of Christ. So what is the good news? I'm wrapping it up. You guys ready? John 1, 12. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. He, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not naturally, that's what he's saying, not people who were just born of a woman or, you know, you know how babies are made, right? Right? But people who were born of God, people who were born of the Spirit. Some of y'all asking questions over this got me scared. <laughs> you see, this good news demands to be shared and shown. It demands to be shared and shown. You can't sit on it. You can't keep it to yourself. The gospel not shared is not the gospel. We share it 
in everything we do. Now, I know the temptation that we often have is to say things like, you know, I don't really talk a lot about it, but I show it with my actions. This comes from a place of love. But I want to tell you, that's just not enough. That's not enough. It has to be communicated. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of Christ, right? What's the word of Christ? That to all who received him and believed in his name, he gave them the right to be children of God. Not children of this world, not children of the devil, right? Not children of natural parents, but children of God. So Lifehouse Church, we, we have not arrived. And so today, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what, this sounds really hard. Great, it is really hard, but we're in it together. And we're running this race together, and we're pursuing this together. So instead of you running your race, and, and me running my race, and you running your race, how about we lock arms, right? And, and we run this race together. And when someone starts getting behind, because we are connected as the body of Christ, we can pull them ahead. And when someone's up there, instead of me saying, oh, they're doing so much better than me, I'm benefiting from their, from their speed and their pace, right? And I'm able to be pulled up closer to where they're at as well because we are Lifehouse and we have the mission to glorify God and make disciples. And together, we are pursuing His presence, right? Together, we are pursuing biblical maturity. I want to grow in His Word and my understanding. We are pursuing healthy souls and authentic relationships and gospel responsibility. You got time for one more scripture. Jesus says in Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. Somebody needs to receive that right now. Been worried about money because you got laid off or you got an unexpected expense coming up. Don't worry about that. The Lord's got you. You make a budget and you be obedient with your finances and trust the Lord to provide. Another sermon, another day. Just preach that one. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body, what you're going to wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wild flowers of the field, they grow. They don't labor. They don't spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, O oh, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Here's the key. For that's what the Gentiles, that's, what the, that's, that's the people that don't know our Father. That's the things that they seek after. That's the things that they pursue. But your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. But, everybody say but. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Lifehouse, while the world is pursuing safety and security and sustenance and significance, we, we're different. We are children of God. We are Lifehouse. And Lifehouse is a family that is committed to together pursuing the presence of God. Together, pursuing biblical maturity. Together, pursuing soul health. Together, pursuing authentic community. And together, pursuing gospel responsibility. That is who we are, and that is who we are becoming. Not perfection, but pursuit. So maybe today, you're in the room, and this seems so hard for you. Listen, I get it. Can I tell you, it's, it's kind of hard for me too. But we're in it together. Don't give up. Just lock arms. Don't get tired. Don't, don't, don't stop running. Just lock arms. We've already, we got up last week, right? But this week, let's go. We got a mission. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Maybe today, for the first time, 
But today, for the 1,000th time, your heart, your prayer would be along the lines of something like, Jesus, I want to want you more. Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want to pursue you. I want to encourage you. Stop trying to be better. Stop trying to be perfect. Stop trying to be a better Christian. Stop trying to be a better spouse, a better parent, a better child, a better person, a better employee. Stop trying to quit that addiction. Stop working so hard to be a better person or to read your Bible more or to pray more. Stop, stop, stop focusing on the stuff in front of you and start instead focusing on the God who's called you to himself. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Stop trying to be perfect and start committing to the pursuit of his presence, of his word, of being healthy, of being whole, and of being obedient to what he's called you to do. And when it feels hard, don't give up and don't give in. Just look beside you for someone that's running this race with you and tell them because you're pursuing authentic relationships and you're not hiding stuff. You've taken that mask of fake perfection off and you tell them, listen, I'm struggling. Will you help me? Will you lock arms with me? Will you help me go for a little bit? And, and they'll help you. And listen, there will come a time when they'll need your help and you'll be right there beside them and then you'll help them as well because we're not pursuing perfection. We're pursuing Jesus. He's the ultimate prize. He's the goal. He's not a means to an end. He is is the end and so today if your prayer if your heart if your desire is Lord Jesus I want you I want to follow you I want to pursue you I want to put you first just right where you are would you lift your hand if you just lifted your hand will you stand and just for a few moments would you just lift both hands in the worship of the Lord, as you commit yourself, saying to the Lord, I am pursuing you. I am pursuing you. I am going after you. Father, I thank you for these men and women. I thank you for these men and women of God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that they would remember what your word says, that when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And God, today, I know and we know that the seekers are the finders. And God, I pray that we would be encouraged, that we would be inspired to pursue after you like we have never pursued before, to chase after you like we have never chased before. And Lord, that our hearts would say, God, we want to see your glory in this place and in our life. We are Lifehouse, and we are in this together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray your blessings over your people. God, I pray that you would give us a heart for your presence. God, I pray that you would give us a desire for your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to live in health in our soul, to pursue authentic relationships, and Lord, to understand that the good news that you have given us demands to be shared. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And Lifehouse said, amen. Amen. Hey, I love you, Lifehouse. Let's go.